Good morning and welcome to uh, Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Craig F. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, today's date is, I believe, November 5th. Um, the, uh, uh, yep, Tuesday, November 5th. Uh, and, uh, uh, let's see. Today's date is November 5th. We're reading from the big book, uh, and we're on page 66, the second paragraph that starts, If We Were to Live. Um, today's readers are, for the steps, Kathy uh, G.S., for the traditions, Wendy M., our first readers, Amy G., our second readers, Ginger C., uh, the newcomer readers, Jody E., and the uh, second hour host is Rebecca B., the reference numbers for yesterday for the 7 a.m. meeting are is 13,612, and for the 10 o'clock meeting yesterday, it's 13,613. That's 7 a.m. Uh, Eastern time, 13,612 and 13,613. Um, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither accepting or soliciting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Kathy G.S. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Craig. This is Kathy G.S., compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic in Georgia. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I'll pass.
Okay. Um, thank you very much. Now I'm going to ask uh, Wendy M. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Thank you, Craig. I'm Wendy M. in Raleigh, North Carolina, a recovered compulsive overeater. These are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you for your service. Appreciate it. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. On page 66, the second paragraph, if we were to live. I'm now going to ask uh, Amy G. to begin the reading. Amy? Good morning, Craig. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Can you hear me okay? Um, yes, just fine. Thank you. Okay, sorry. I was hearing some noise earlier. just wanted to make sure it wasn't me. Okay, if we were to live... We had to be free of anger. The grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for the alcoholics, these things are poison. Well, the saying in the big book is we are not a glum lot, but when it comes to the steps, we are deadly serious. And um, just to review where we are here and finishing up with a fourth step, 
we're talking about deep resentment and anger. And in the prior paragraph, it says, you know, it leads to futility and happiness. We found that it's fatal. And then the next paragraph we're going to dive into tomorrow, it's going to say that it actually has the power to kill. So for me, this step work is incredibly important. And why is it poisonous? Why does it have the power to kill? Well, for me, in, in, in unpacking my fourth step and the realization of what was my behavior in relation to anger and resentment, those emotions were blocking the one source that I needed in order to recover, which is my higher power. That when I am restless, irritable, and discontent, when I am angry and resentful, I'm in emotional turmoil, and I block whatever power, whatever access I have to power with that self-absorption. And I can't do that because if I block my higher power, then I'm doomed and the food comes to call, and I'm doomed to repeat over and over what this compulsive overeating disease does. You know, so how am I going to be free? It says we have to be free of it. And what I realized in doing my fourth and fifth step was that, that those feelings of selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightening, the anger and the resentment was just a smokescreen. It was just a smokescreen for my inability to handle life and control the world around me. And I was angry. I was angry at the world. And when I realized what was behind it and what was my part, then I had to confess those things and realize that the only person that I could change was me. And, in order to, and if I didn't let go of that anger, I would then be back into the food. And for me, to do that was to die, was to die physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I had to get down to those causes and conditions and my emotions and behaviors behind all of that anger and resentment because I didn't want to live that way anymore. And I love the fact it says here the dubious luxury of normal men. I looked up what dubious means. I'd actually never done that before. And it says, you know, not to be relied on, suspect, uh, you know, that they suspect that that's a luxury of normal men, that even normal folks handling and living with resentment and anger is probably not a good way to live life for even normal folks. But for us, for me, as a compulsive overeater, it is poison. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you very much, Amy, for getting us started. All right, uh, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days on this meeting, we, then uh, we ask you to uh, um, please let us know here that you're willing to share. And so um, go ahead, let's get a list. Katie G. from Boston. Katie, got you. Uh, boy, that was a knot. I didn't get any of it. Uh, Darcy C. Kentucky. I got, Mary Ann, I got Mary Ann. Yes, Darcy C. Kentucky. Darcy. Sam S. Sandy. Sam and Sandy. Uh, Sandy W. Thank you. Sandy W. Was there a Sam? S? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Did you get Melissa C.? I didn't yet, but I do now. Thanks. That's uh, six. Uh, let's go ahead and get that rolling. Katie, take us away. Good morning, Craig. Katie G. Recovered in Boston. You know, um, it says if we were to live, we had to be free of anger. A lot of people um, have called me and they're like, well, I don't really understand how this is poison, how it's killing me. I'm functioning. I have a heartbeat. Ask yourself, how's your life? How's your life when you're the grouch 
whining and fussing and complaining from the moment you get up. The thing with a resentment is, and brainstorm actually means an outburst of rage when our big book was written. When I have a resentment against you, you're coming with me. You're keeping me up at night. You're keeping me up in the morning. You're eating breakfast with me. You're eating my spirit. When I am angry and I don't have God, I'm cut, I'm, I'm, you are taking my life, literally. And, um, you know, I can tell you, like, I, I used to have literal outbursts of rage um, all over the place. But let me tell you, I also had judging of everyone, which is a resentment. If you looked at me funny, if you, why? Because I have self-centered fear. Fear drives all of this. So if I'm afraid that you're going to reject me, anything you do makes me mad. <clears throat> and I may not be having outbursts of rage, which again, I used to have all the time. But I might be just being like, you know what, you just are not doing what I think you should be doing. And the lie is, I was talking about it with someone this morning, the lie is, is that if I'm F-bombing you in my head, pardon the brutal expression, you don't know. And that's not true. If, if I'm this, this crazy compulsive overeater and I don't like you, trust me, I breathe not liking you. I look at you not liking you. Um, and again, I know that normal people have human emotions. And I'm a human being. But I think it's important, again, that we all recognize this isn't Get Human Anonymous. This program is not about accepting my human emotions. I am in these rooms because I am a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. And I have an abnormal uh, reaction to foods, ingredients, and behaviors, and I have an abnormal reaction to life. And if I do not live these, this fourth step and see that each and every time I am disturbed, it is not about you, it's not my part, it's my mistake, it's where I am wrong, I am going to live, I am going to eat with you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and finally, eating, starving, binging will be a step up. And thank you, God, I have these tools today because when I am angry, not if, when I am angry, I know I am the problem and then therefore I got to get to God with the urgency of a drowning woman, which thank God I'm not today, but that's only based on my willingness to continue. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Okay, uh, next we have, uh, I think it was Mary Ann or Mary yes. Deb. Okay. Yep, Mary okay. Ann V from upstate New York, and um, right. thank you for hearing me. I, I love that this sentence about the grouch and the brainstorm are not for me, and like Katie said, brainstorm meant something totally different back then, and um, <clears throat> I do tend to be grouchy uh, at the end of the day when I'm exhausted and have a long commute home, and so my husband gets the brunt of it, and I've been you know, asking God to help me with that and to remove that. And I've also made a commitment to my sponsor and myself and my higher power to, to let go of complaining about things that, you know, that I can't change. Um, and as far as the brainstorm goes, that sudden rage that envelops me, I used to say, well, you know, I'm a Leo, and us Leos, we have a temper. And so uh, I don't hold the grudge, I just get rageful and upset and then I let go of it you know disregarding totally how that sudden rage might have impacted 
anybody who it might have been directed at um, and, and just excusing it. So that has gotten a lot better as I've become recovered. And um, when I do feel that sudden rage, which I do sometimes, uh, I don't have to act on it and I can um, be aware of it and talk to somebody about it and be humbled by it because it's usually uh, because of my judgmental nature, my character defect of judging. And so somebody's not doing what I think they should be doing. Um, and I, uh, God has removed my obsession with uh, listening to political commentary. Thank God I've been asking for that and finally let go of it. And that is helping me a lot with that rage and that judgmental uh, stuff that drives it. And um, so I'm very grateful and thank you uh, for all of your service, everybody. It's Mary Ann Z. Thanks, Mary Ann. Okay, uh, Darcy. I believe that's the next one. Darcy? Yes, good morning. Thank you, Craig. My name is Darcy C. from Kentucky. And, um, you know, I know that when I am disturbed and angry, I, I just want to say that these steps have, they really are saving my life because I've not known what to do with that. And, you know, I've really been working in um, learning how to practice the step 10 and um, to deal with that because I've never known what to do with it in for the last 30 years. And so this past weekend I was visiting my daughter while she's at college for a family weekend. And because I'm still getting angry, but now I know what to do with it, or I'm still getting resentful. And now I have these tools. I realized for the first time in, I don't know how many years, because this is really the only way I've known how to live, it seems, that I was completely present, and it just hit me. Um, while I sat there at a concert we were watching, that I was completely present. I was enjoying myself. I wasn't anxious. I wasn't ready to jump up and run out of there and be at the next thing. I wasn't thinking about when are we going to eat, and what are we going to eat, and will they have things that I need, and... I was literally present, and I don't know if that is as crazy to others as it seems to me, but I have not known what that felt like for so long. And so I just have been extremely grateful um, that because of these steps, when I'm angry and resentful, I don't have to let it kill me and make me crazy. I can work these steps. And I can learn to be um, somewhat normal and be present to the people I love and to the situations that I'm in. And I'm so grateful that that's possible today. So with that, I will pass. Thank you, Darcy. Okay, next we have, I think it's Sam S. Sam? Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Hello, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much um, for your lead and for everybody's service. Um, wow, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be this morning. I, um, I heard someone use the term word nerd yesterday, and I totally identify with that. I um, was looking at this paragraph this morning because this really used to be um, like the number one uh, fight that I had against program and also something I used to beat myself up over. And I was looking up the words, and it's funny, different dictionaries have different um, definitions, but this 
sentence over here, the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. They may be the dubious luxury of normal men. I used to read that and my disease said, anger is a luxury. I don't get that and I don't even get food. Like this totally stinks. And then this morning I really sat down and I wrote the definitions for um, grouch, brainstorm, um, dubious luxury, and I wanted to read it all out, and it totally changed my perspective. Complaining and fits of fusion or excitement were doubtful states of great comfort and extravagant living for normal men. I totally eliminated the word dubious, and this morning when I looked it up, it said it, that it's doubtful. Um, I eliminated dubious, and I just thought that, like, you know, normal people could be angry, and they can eat, and they can do all these things, and like, why can't I, why can't I, but I know why I can't, because it's going to bring me right back, it'll bring me right back into the food, um, it'll show up on my plate, and, you know, like I heard this morning, like, it's going to bleed out into all my relationships, so I'm, I'm so um, fortunate to be on this meeting today, and um, to get a chance this morning to sit down and really figure out what that means. Um, such a short paragraph, but so much in it. And, you know, I've been um, really sitting down, like my husband didn't like the spoon I picked up yesterday. <laughs> and I'm still living with it. You know, it's still, I need to address it before it eats me. So, you know, I'm saying the sick man's prayer, The step, I'm doing a step 10 on it. I'm saying the acceptance prayer. And I'm trying to shift that lens because I need to be, in the sunlight of the spirit rather than in my own head, in my despair of you know, what actually happened. Thank you so much. I'm just so happy to be here. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, next, we have Sandy W. Sandy? Good morning, Sandy. Um, thanks so much for your service. This is Sandy W., gratefully recovered in Connecticut. And um, I think this is going to be a word nerd morning because um, that's certainly what was speaking to me, some of the words in this paragraph. Um, you know, I always thought of it prior to this morning of just um, the fact that resentments are poison to me, me, the real compulsive overeater, that, you know, while others who suffer, um, um, that don't suffer from our malady, that they can get resentful and not compulsively eat or compulsively react in any way. You know, one thing this book, one of the many beautiful things this book has taught me is that I cannot do that. You know, but today as I read this paragraph, I too thought about the grouch and the brainstorm. And, um, you know, of course I know the grouch quite well. You know, I lived the grouch um, every time you didn't follow my script, every time you didn't allow me to control you or control things. Um, but the brainstorm, well, I had never heard heard that uh, the definition of um, uh, what the meaning was back when this book was read. But one of the dictionaries I referenced talked about a dated definition, and they called it a violent, transient fit of insanity. Um, you know, I always just thought of the brainstorm as like brainstorming for new ideas. And of course, it did also mention a harebrained idea, and I've certainly had my share of those. But this definition of a violent, transient fit of insanity really um, spoke to me. Um, you know, it, um, this again kind of takes me back to that general idea that while other non-addicts can do things, obviously they can eat things and they can have certain habits that I can't do, um, but I also can't let living life drive me to that fit of insanity. 
you know, and of course, I certainly do. My, my family would attest to this. I certainly do still have my periods of obvious insanity, but it doesn't have to become violent and it doesn't have to turn into a fit because now I have a spiritual solution, you know, that tethers me to a power so much greater than myself. Um, and I have this amazing design for living that I only found in this book and by working the steps and entire abstinence. Um, so now that grouch and those violent fits, you know, they're just not part of the life of this. Um, I could, will never call myself a normal woman. I'll always consider myself abnormal. But, um, but with the work in this book and, um, and the promises that come true because of it, you know, I, um, I, I just don't have to live that way anymore. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks again, Craig, for your service. Okay, thank you, Sandy. Next up, we have uh, Melissa C. Melissa? Hi, good morning, Craig. Thank you for your service this morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, yeah, so, right, dubious. It's uncertain and it's unreliable. And this is a luxury of normal men. And I have to, like, emphasize normal, you know. Um, because for me, um, I, I often have to go back to, like, my step one understanding and the doctor's opinion, which tells me I'm a distinct entity. It sets me apart. I'm told, like, repeatedly over and over, and I fully concede it, right? I'm not like other men. And so I don't get this unreliable luxury of anger. And, you know, um, for me, like, I've been... I was secretively angry. I, you know, I grew up with, in a house where one parent had a lot of rage. And so anger, like, scared me. And I didn't really do anger. And I, I ate, you know, I ate and ate and ate. And I remember, like, kind of coming to out of this food coma. And I was overwhelmed by, I'm really pissed. And, and I realized that I'd been angry for many, many, many years. I just... I was a liar, you know, I just didn't like, I didn't want people to not like me, so I pretended, you know, and so it was like, first it was like, oh my God, I'm I'm really angry, and and then it's like, aren't I entitled to get worked up and pissed off, and yeah, no, not if I want to live, right, it's really clear, if you want to live, um, working, getting worked up, even internally, you know, even secretively with a smile on my face, is going to kill me. It's, um, and I love, you know, I was told that resentment is, um, it's a poison that corrodes the vessel that contains it. And it's okay if I'm not releasing it, if I'm still holding it inside, I'm going to die of it. And, you know, I, I don't know what it is, you know, for whatever reason, but it's like, if I draw like one of those flow charts, like over emotion, points to um, hunger. It, it's immediate. It's like I can draw a straight line from a feeling to hunger. I, I don't know why, but when I feel something intensely, my stomach, it even growls. And so there's many normal people who get pissed off and worked up, and they actually, because they're normal and they don't have the physical body, you know, physical craving, they actually can get relief from a drink, too, or from a piece of chocolate. But for me, why this is deadly is I can't, I can't use those things to get relief because then I trigger the allergy. 
So I have to live in a very different way. And, you know, thank God we really have a great set of directions. Step four is where I first learned it. And then I get to practice it forever. (laughs) Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we're ready to take another set of names. Um, So if you haven't shared in the last couple days and you'd like to uh, chime in, um, Nancy give me P. Your name. Nancy. Susan Gotcha. H. What page, Sally, please? Sally. Uh, Julie uh, E. B. Um, Julie E. B. Barbara E. Uh, Morrissey. Barbara. I got it, Barbara and, and what was um. Morrissey. Mora. Oh, that's right. Mora. Yankee. Fan. You. <laughs> All right. What was that last one? Ju- Julie E.B., right? Uh, got you, Julie. Mongo P. What, who was that, P? Mongo P. Mongo? Mongo. Oh, Margo. I'm sorry. Margo P. All right, here's what I have. I have Nancy D. or Nancy P., uh, Susan H., Sally, uh, Julie E.B., Barbara E., Mar- Maura Z., and Margo P., uh, so that's a good list. Let's go. Nancy D. Nancy P. I mean. Uh, Hi. What was that last thing? Yeah. Go ahead, Nancy. Hi, Craig. Thanks for letting me share. Um, yeah, I've been listening to everybody talk about this, and I'm and I'm thinking, oh my God, there's so much more articulate than I am. But one thing that I can say about this is, for me, the word dubious means that it's not it's all not it's not all it's cracked up to be because for so long i thought that if i could just be thin all of my anger would disappear or i would have you know be appropriately angry like if i stubbed my toe or something like that and then it would just go away and i would continue on with my life and you know being thin without um having uh, you know, the allergy or the obsession of the mind taken care of was not, it was all cracked up to be, it was miserable. And when I um, recovered, my anger did not just go away. But I can say that today, because I'm, reco- and, you know, living in a recovered state every day, um, my anger doesn't own me anymore. It doesn't, I mean, I feel things and, you know, yes, I have to do 10 steps. And yesterday I was speaking with another fellow and we were laughing because I was, had a little resentment against my husband. And then I thought of a few snappy comebacks that, you know, <laughs> that weren't appropriate. And then I had to remember, oh, yeah, you can't do any of those things because you're recovered. I mean, that was my brand of 10 stepping. Um, you know, it wasn't, I'm not very good at any of this stuff. But, um, but I can say that. I've noticed that my anger, you know, I do, I, I talk about them in, in the way that it says to do in the book, and they're gone. I mean, I have been ballistic over things that we tend to get ballistic over, you know, whatever it is, break a nail or, you know, I've said this before, all of our pain is equal, and so is all of our anger, because it all leads us to the food. And um, I no longer, I no longer feel that, um, that immediate alternative of if I'm so enraged or if my feelings are so intense, whether it's anger or fear or whatever, I no longer, it's not an immediate thing that I have to be on, um, you know, remind myself that food isn't an alternative. Um, Today, I know what to do. And, um, 
you know, it's just like everything that I've ever, everything that I ever got materially that I wanted before I recovered wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. You know, I got the job and then the job had responsibilities that I didn't like, or I got the guy and the guy turned out to be, you know, something that I didn't want, except for the guy that I have now. And, um, you know, all those things weren't all that it was cracked up to be. And once I recovered, you know, my, my mind, my brain was, you know, massaged by the big book in the 12 steps. And so now I can appreciate things in their true state. And um, my anger no longer owns me. And I used to stew for days over the slightest, forget to pick up the milk, you know, I'd be on it, you know, thinking about it for a week. And, you know, I have, um, I'm, you know, I just don't, I don't live like that anymore. Today I live happy, right. joyous, and free. Thank you for letting me share with that alpaca. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Next we have Susan H. Susan? Did you call on me, Craig? Susan? Yes. Susan? Yeah. This is Susan H. And I am a very grateful recovery compulsive overreader in Ohio. Um, this is such a little paragraph, but it is so important to me. And it became important again, as I think it always will, as long as I have breath. Um, I lived in the grouch in the brainstorm, and I wallowed in that dubious luxury most of my life. Um, I had a birthday last week, and I'm not one usually, well, yeah, I always wallowed in, oh, nobody's making a fuss over my birthday. But these few years that I have been um, recovered and abstinent, things were so much better. And I just, I felt down on my birthday. I felt resentful about my age. And I felt, oh, the world's unkind to old ladies. <laughs> uh, and I didn't catch it and look deeply into it a little bit so that I could... Um, Turn it over. So uh, towards the evening, I did my 11-step nightly review, and I had to be honest, and it was still there. So I did find someone I could discuss it with, and such a relief, such a relief. I am just, I'm amazed at how um, these things can be taken. Uh, Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I accept that this must have needed to take place as it did, and I must have needed to sit with that dubious luxury for a little while to recall what life was like every day for me. My days are so much better. My life is so much better. Um, I've been changed inwardly. A spiritual awakening, if you will, by absolutely working these steps to the best of my ability. And I, I cannot communicate just how, how grateful I am. So may I not uh, bother in that dubious luxury again for a while, but I'm willing to be shown my path by a higher power that is patient and loving and willing to show me again and again how I need to live and what I need to do. 
So thanks. Thanks for letting me share my experience, strength, and hope. I pass. All right. Thank you very much. Sally, your turn. Hi. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, everyone. This is Sally A. from New Jersey. Um, to me, I, I feel like, well, I'm also a therapist. So I know that, it's, you know, anger is an important emotion to have, and, of course, all humans have it. As an addict, however, you know, it is something that I need to watch because of how I've always, you know, coped with it since I was a child. You know, I wasn't allowed to process anger. I wasn't allowed to feel it, um, not in my household. So I learned to quell it with the food from such an early age. And to this day, you know, it still happens. So I understand what they're saying here about not living in anger. I don't, for me, I don't think it means you're not going to feel anger because you wouldn't be human if you didn't feel anger. However, it's important for me not to stay in anger, you know, because I stayed in anger for years, you know, and it became depression and, and I would eat all my feelings and a lot of them were resentments. Most of them, as a matter of fact, when I did my inventory were resentments. They were the most, uh, you know, common um, feeling I was eating over. So this teaches us uh, or me how to deal with my anger um, and to know that I, I need to process it, I need to feel it and let it go. And how I do that is with the step work. And it's just such a beautiful way to handle anger and, and, a, and, a, and a more healthy way to hang, handle anger. And I feel better about it. I never felt comfortable expressing anger. You know, I was I was never an assertive person. Um, so it just, it was never a comfortable emotion because I never grew up knowing how to process anger in a healthy way. So for me, you know, this is a message to me that I need not live in anger. I need not stay in anger. I need to feel it, process it through the step work, and let it go. Thanks for letting me share. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Julie E.B., your turn. Hi, this is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered in Colorado Springs uh, this morning. I'm just so thrilled to be able to share on this paragraph because this is where I lived. Um, and it was really through the, the, um, my, resent, my four step inventory that I was able to see uh, and list it, one of my main character defects as the brainstorm. And uh, then I developed a term as I was going through called the talk storm. And uh, what I used to do is it was driven by resentment, but remember resentment is driven by a thousand forms of fear. And so um, when life would happen to me, which is what I believed uh, before I had my spiritual awakening, when life was happening to me, then I would just spin over and over again um, like a gerbil on a wheel. I would just spin over and over again um, with my resentment, reliving the past. What could I have said? Should I have said? How could I have rested happiness and satisfaction by managing well? Or I'd spin about fears and things that were out of my control, things I didn't know how to accept, things uh, that where I didn't see, or things that I did wrong, my guilt. And, uh, and I would be the grouch because I was in self-pity, which stretched around me like quicksand. I, instead of being grateful for the <laughs> many uh, blessings that I have that create a very busy life, um, I would get into self-pity and be the grouch. Or uh, instead of um, just uh, taking things one day at a time, 
one action at a time, accepting myself uh, as a growing, unfolding child of the universe, I would just spin around in the grouch and the brainstorm. And then I would call you and I would talk for hours about my problems. And that was the talk storm. And all of these things kept me stuck. And there is a better way. So reach out today and you can move into a different place uh, with these simple steps. Thanks for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Julie. Okay, Barbara E., your turn. Good morning, everyone. I hope I can be heard. I hope I didn't speak yesterday. I'm a little groggy from all the medication they've given me, but I felt I had to speak to say how toxic for me, hanging on to resentments long past their expiration date were, and all those fears that I accumulated about myself and my worthlessness did me no good at all. They only made me want to go out and eat more because that's the only way I knew how to calm myself. When I was 11 years old, my dad died. There were no other children in my grade who had a father or mother who was deceased. I was sure in my childish head that it was something I did. I was a bad little Barbara. So this was how I was being punished. Of course, that was ridiculous, but I went to the food anyway. Today, I'm no longer an 11-year-old child, but I still harbor defects or character characteristics, if you will, that I'd like to get rid of or at least turn them into assets. I was extremely stubborn. You told me I had to do every single step. I'll just do this one and skip that one. No, I'll do this one. No, you can't. I, you say three meals a day. No, I don't want to do three meals a day. Whatever you said, I was misoppositional. And then I learned that maybe my stubbornness can be turned into perseverance and I can use it in a positive way. You tell me to try something, okay, I'll try it. I will persevere for a day, a week, a month, and just see how it goes. I can tell you that this book is so clearly for me laid out with the promises and the warnings and the suggestions that I think are really musts and the stories of people living and dead who have done it successfully. And then to be blessed with this meeting every day in the century we live in, where we can hear people from all over the world who say, yes, this works. It really works. And to be able to be calm in the midst of calamity is absolutely something I never thought I could feel before. I am calm in the midst of minor calamity, being helpless as a baby right now. But it's a wonderful feeling to know that I can trust in this God that I never oh, believed in. Thank you. That was God speaking. That I never believed in to lead the light. And thank you, God. Everyone have a blessed day. I pass. 
Thank you, Barbara. Next, we have Maura Z. Maura? Good morning, Craig. Thanks so very much for your service. And I am Maura Z, gratefully recovered in uh, Virginia this morning. Gratefully recovered through God's grace and mercy. Wow. Um, so I was pretty much an angry woman my whole life. Um, and as far as rage goes, um, how about screaming at the top of my lungs? True story. <laughs> I'm screaming at the top of my lungs while sitting on the pot, yelling at my husband because he had hung the toilet paper in the wrong direction. Okay. So I know how to do rage. I know how to do anger. And I know how to hold onto it with two hands tightly white-knuckled. Thankfully, I don't live that way anymore today. Thankfully, these 12 steps, and especially this fourth step, it showed me the pain that the resentments and the fears were causing me. Absolute pain, self-inflicted pain, because I had to be right and they had to be wrong. Bottom line, if they were wrong, I was right, and they screwed me. They messed up my plans. They didn't follow my script, as it were. I was much happier, could I say? Somebody's not muted. Happier being angry than not feeling anything? I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But I don't live that way today. I can let go of the anger. My ex-husband, yes, he became an ex-husband, but not because of the toilet paper. My ex-husband actually was here. I put him on a plane on Sunday. He was here for two weeks. And we had a great time. Because of program, I was able to make my amends. He made his. And we're friends now. We weren't friends when we were married. We're friends now. We're honest with each other. He pissed me off two or three times while he was here this week, these two weeks. I did the same to him. The difference was I didn't shut down. I didn't pout. I didn't ignore him for the rest of the day. I accepted exactly what it is he was going through. I didn't have to like it. I didn't have to agree with it. And that was okay. But I accepted. That's just how he is. That's just who he is. And guess what? I'm still going to eat my abstinent breakfast. And I'm still going to go ahead with my day. And he gets out of his funk. And he comes out of the bedroom. I can make my apology to him because I owed it to him. And then I was able to walk through the rest of the day. And we were able to enjoy the rest of the day and each other. That's the miracle of this program. That's the miracle of the fourth step. I get to let it go. Because I got to tell you, it's a whole lot of energy wasted holding on to anger. And a whole lot of energy regained when I let go of it and I hold on to God. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Craig. Thank you, Laura. Um, okay, next we have uh, Margo P. Margo? everyone thank you for allowing me to on this I love everybody sharing the experience strength and hope my name is Mario I'm a compulsive eater in Florida and I am so grateful that I'm learning everything about the big book every time I hear this vision of call and the answer that gives me in the big book you know I I lived in my life 
since childhood. I come from a family with lots of anger, resentment, complaining. And it traveled to your children. It traveled to my children. It's like, wow, this DC is really crazy. And I was scared of myself when I got into the, when I had to do my four step with my sponsor. And someone told me, and I remember it was my alcoholic who passed away, told me, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid about your anger. I'm afraid you could hurt somebody. And he was right. You know, because I was under the disease. I was under very compulsive eating at that time. And I and when I was driving, I would get angry and I would speed. And it's like, what is wrong with me? And if I don't stop, I would be dead or I would kill somebody. And my anger today is lessened, but it's a process. And I am so grateful many times when I don't put that gap in my pedal on the gas and, and drive fast or allow the other person to get ahead of me. Or even at work when I get frustrated with myself and the things don't come out right and then I get corrected. And it's like I don't want to build resentment on those. I just have to learn, have an open mind to learn what he has to teach me, what my higher power has to teach me, where I have to deal with issues about this disease, about anger, resentment. And complaining, and and complaining still runs in my family. I used to complain a lot, and I complain. I complain about my food. All my sponsors says, go to the store and make friends with your vegetables. I didn't like about vegetables. Oh my God, make friends with my vegetables. I hated them, and <laughs> and then finally I started to like them. I started to like kale. Oh, okay, I like it. And so these little things. When I hear my sponsor giving me suggestions, I like the suggestion because when someone tells me you got to do this, you could you could do that, I would get so upset, and that will build resentment for me. And I like when I hear the word suggestion. So I am so grateful for everyone sharing the experience, sense, and hope in this little paragraph about the devious and then the grouchy. I oh my God, I can't complain about. I did a lot of grouchy when I was in a bitchy mood or when I was a younger mood or an older mood, and that people would say, you are so old, bitchy groove. <laughs> and so, you know, today I have a happy face and a happy smile, and people look at me like, there's something about you. And then, you know, say, what do you have? And then I pass it on if they want it, you know, when they ask me for it. So I'm just grateful for you on this call. So thank you, and I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Margo. Um, all right, we have time for two short shares. Um, Maybe two minutes Ginger each. Ginger C. All right, Ginger and Pete. All right, got Ginger C and Pete B. Go ahead, Ginger. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris or Craig, for your service this morning. Mm -hmm. This is Ginger C, recovered compulsive overeater. And I just think about these um, expectations that I'm putting out there, and doesn't that lead me to a premeditated resentment? And 420 tells me perhaps the best thing of all for me to remember is that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. And again, what am I expecting you to be that you're not? Why am I putting all this reliance upon outside things? Where is God in this picture? Probably not even on the map. But, you know, I love these 10-step promises because we get to cease fighting anything or anyone. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Are you flowing in a river? Or are you fighting it upstream? Because again, then we go on to the next page after that where we see this fighting, and it says, remember that we are no longer running the show. 
then I get to relax. I take it easy. It's not my life. It's not my world. I don't know what's happening. And I'm trusting and allowing it to work exactly as it's supposed to. And there is peace. And with that, I pass. Well, thanks, Ginger. Okay, Pete, your turn. Thanks, Craig. Pete B. Compulsive mm-hmm. Overeater recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting. Thanks for calling on me. I heard so much good stuff this morning. And, you know, like you think of free of anger. Why do, Why free of anger? And it was, it was articulated so well earlier, right? Because if, if I'm angry, right, if we look back on page 64, it says we asked ourselves why we were angry. In most cases, it, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, or personal relationships were hurt or threatened, right? So, so if, if I'm angry, that means I'm fighting. If I'm angry, that means that I forgot in the previous step that I turned my life and my will over to the care of God, that it was now God's life, not my life. And when I'm angry, I'm then taking that back and perceiving what is going on as a threat to something that I think I should have, something that I think I should get, something that I think I want right? My money, my ambitions, my relationships, right? So, so I have to be free of anger because that means that if I'm angry, I've taken back my will. I, I've gotten back in the fight. And I love what Ginger said earlier, right? We don't struggle. This is a struggle. But we have to remember where we're reading right now in the context of the study, if we're approaching it from a, from a text, I've recently put down the foods, I've completely surrendered. I've conceded to my innermost self that I have this condition, and this condition is fatal, progressive, only gets worse, never better, and there's no treatment for it. I've conceded that there is some power that's greater than myself that will restore me to sanity with regard to the decisions I make with food. And three, I've turned my life and will over the care of that power. Now I'm doing an assessment of my history, my background, my thoughts, my feelings, all of these things, right? So it's, it, it, it's telling me here, right, we have to be free of anger. But we have, to get down to the, we have to get down to the basis of that anger, and anger is always a response to a threat. It's always a response to a threat. And if I turn my life and will over the care of God as I understand God, there is no threat. There is no threat. We don't struggle. It's God's life now. My job is to show up be the best example of his love, his will, and his way of life as I could possibly be. And with that, I can't go wrong, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. All right, Pete. Thank you very much. Um, all right. With that, I think we're going to call the time and uh, proceed to the closing. So um, I want to thank everybody that's uh, shared today um, and everybody that helped and was of service. Today's share ID is one th- is thirteen thousand six eighteen one three six one eight. I'm going to go ahead and give yesterday's again was thirteen six twelve for the seven a.m. and for the ten a.m. was thirteen six thirteen and today's is thirteen six eighteen. Uh, today is November fifth, uh, two thousand and nineteen. Uh, we're now going to close with a reading from the Big Book on page one sixty four, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will uh, Ginger C. please read uh, from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We'll keep you until then. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.